What's going on, everybody? Okay, listen. It's episode 32 of the podcast. We just recorded for like 10 or 15 minutes. And, 10, well, 10, no, 10, I shouldn't 10. even say that. We just talked for 10 and 15 minutes on a Zoom, and we weren't even recording it. So we are lit- we are off to an incredible start today. Um, I just thought I'd put that out there. This is going to be a terrible episode. We just we literally just talked. We just did the first 15 minutes of the episode and didn't record it. Um, so repeating that Nobody is going to be it. awkward. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that, that is sacred knowledge that never leaves the Zoom. Um, but yes, sorry, this is the 32nd episode of the Zoomcast. I'm Adam, joined as always by Louie and Josh. Uh, the Sens, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to start with my line again. I said it in the first part when we weren't recording, but I'm going to say it again. The balls have dropped and the <laughs> lottery is over and the Sens come seventh. Uh, Insanely boring lottery thing. Not a very way. exciting lottery yeah. at all. But but you know what? The Sens get screwed the lottery every single year. I am totally okay with them staying. I was seven. expecting it too. I was just I thought the show was at seven. Like I remembered someone like something saying seven p.m. And I'm sitting in my kitchen scrolling on my phone, and I get Elliot Friedman notification that says sixteen Vegas at like six thirty-five p.m. I'm like, what the hell? By the time I go downstairs, turn on my TV, they're already at like the ninth pick. I almost missed the Sens one. Wow. Well, by the time we got like the first overall, it was it was by that time it was seven because there's a full commercial break mid lottery. Yeah, so, yeah. really? It was the I only is the only terrible. commercial break. Usually they do a bunch, but that, they rush through it. They just like wanted to get it over with. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of hide that they keep rigging it for New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man, Jesus. I mean, we'll see what they do at uh, at two, but Montreal wins in Montreal. I mean, yeah, they were gonna win drafts in Montreal. Uh, they'll get Shane Wright, and he'll be a bust. Probably so that's that's fine. No, I mean probably they'll get him. Not probably he'll be a bust. No, you heard it here first. Josh Glazer <laughs> thinks both. that Shane Wright will be a bust, and so does Louis. We all think Shane Wright suddenly will be a bust. I'm suing uh, you. But yes, the sense. So the sense of the seventh overall pick. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. But first, the playoffs are going on, and some people think this has been a fun and exciting first round because all of these series that we could have seven game sevens. Uh, like that, that's pretty exciting. And some people have not liked it as much just because there's been so many blowouts, like in most pretty much, well, I mean, Colorado, okay. We're not counting the Colorado series as a series that doesn't count that just existed for a bit. Like Daryl Sutter called it like it's a waste of eight days for whoever played Colorado. And it was a waste of eight days because Colorado just steamrolled Nashville and they move on. But these other seven series, there have been a lot of blowouts, but the series in games are all super close. Uh, Josh, do you like that, or has that made the playoffs a little boring for you in this first round? I like that they're close, and like I like that we're still going into the first. Like we still have seven series going. You know what yeah. I mean? We still have, I think, four games tonight, and then three games tomorrow, and then it'll possibly the same thing again over the weekend. I guess yeah, Saturday, Sunday. That'd be cool. Like we could have a game. We're gonna have possibly four game seven Saturday night or Saturday all day. Like that would be a great day. Yeah. Um, However, yeah, the fact that a lot of, like, we look specifically at the Leafs and Lightning series, like, it feels like you go back and forth, and it's like, this team got off to such an early start, and it was never back within reach, and then the other team did it, and it's like, 
two amazing teams and they're in a close series, but the games themselves as a, uh, someone who's not a fan of either team haven't been all that good other than the last one, game five. Yeah. Louis? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's been so off putting because yeah, you have all these close series. Most of them were, you know, tied after, after four games. So you don't really know, like even like somehow Calgary Dallas was tied and that series has been, you know, boring Unwa- on another unwatchable. aspect. Unwatchable. Yeah. But yeah, it's been like a side. We haven't had many overtime games. We had the triple OT winner from yeah, like, at the first beginning game. Of, yeah, like yeah. literally first game in the series where Shesterkin went off and made almost 80 saves or whatever. Yeah, he's 79. And yeah. since then, we've had what? Maybe just the Florida-Washington game where they tied it late and Verhage won it in overtime. And then the Kempe aside... overtime winner. And then the Kempe week. overtime winner, yes. Colorado won 2-1. Two, no, that doesn't count as a series. doesn't count. <laughs> well... But yeah, it, it's just, it's been so off-putting because you have all these blowout games and then all these close series. So, yeah, I mean, if it ends up having it so that we get seven game sevens, I will not be complaining <laughs> yes. at all. But <laughs> so far, the road to get there has just been really weird. Yes, this is true. And there's a lot of narratives that have come out of it about certain teams. Like, obviously, like, I mean, you know, we're Sands fans. We're going to talk about the Leafs when they're in the playoffs because it's just how it works. Uh Leafs play game six in about two and a half hours from when we're recording, or yeah, when we're recording this uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, if they can't close it out tonight, that's a, that is a heck of a lot more pressure on them than Tampa Bay in game seven. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but I mean, and if you go historically through how this series has played out, Tampa Bay is probably going to win five, nothing <laughs> in this game. Like that's just how it's been. The it's been blow win after blow win. In the last two playoffs, or sorry, three if you count this one, the Lightning are 18 and 0 on uh, after a loss. Absolutely They've nice. never lost two. I know. Vasilevsky uh, has something like a 960 yeah, in those yeah. 18 games. That's like, stupid. I don't know That's what this guy does. Why doesn't he act like he lost every game? So the next one. He's he like a shout out in a third game. of those, too. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, he's crazy. So, I mean, obviously, you expect, you always expect everyone to play their best all the time, but the Lightning with their back against the wall. That'll be, oh, it's going to be such a good game tonight. And just hoping that there's seven, not even just as a Leafs hater, just as like for, you know, having more good games. Yes, it's true. <clears throat> and a game seven with the Leafs is always fun for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, usually the end, but we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe they break it. I don't know. The way, like, here's my thing about the Leafs. We have been so spoiled for Leafs embarrassment content in the last <laughs> 10 years. Like, I am, if this is how it ends and they finally win, I, you know what? Let them be. We have gotten our more than enough of our fair share of like inconceivably bad leaf losses. Like you just can't even imagine it. Like how many times did they, like, have they lost so far? What are they? 0 and 8 since 2012 and clinching series clinching games? 20, since um, 2013? Yeah. That's nuts. That is insane. Like that. 0 and 8. That's, that is embarrassing. Yeah. And if this is how it comes to an end, I'll let them have it. Like whatever. All good things got to come to an end at some point, but we'll see how that plays out. The other one I wanted to talk about Canadian content, uh, Edmonton is losing three, two to LA, which is a team that most people didn't even think were in the playoffs. Like literally I've seen multiple people on Twitter. Like I didn't even know LA made the playoffs. I mean, we were arguing when we made our bracket for a long time about whether LA would get that final spot in the Pacific, right? That's right. Over Vancouver or, or Vegas. Um, but I mean, Good for them because they're beating Connor McDavid's team right now, which is hilarious. And we, this is another thing we were talking about while we were accidentally not recording, but we're, I'm going to say it again. 
how, Edmonton does not get enough slack for how bad they are with the best player in the world on their team and also Leon Dreisaitl. Like, it's crazy. It's insane that they haven't... The last time Edmonton won a series was when Ottawa was in the playoffs, and that feels like 100 years ago. So that's like that in itself is, is enough to be like, you should be shamed. You should be shamed publicly for that. And if they lose, they are losing to, uh, you know, all due respect, you know, to LA, like they worked hard and whatever. This is a Mickey Mouse playoff team. LA should not have made it. Like that, that conference is so bad and that division is so bad. There's no way they should have made the playoffs and they're about to beat Edmonton. That's like, that's crazy. Like, do you think, obviously we all know what, you know, McDavid said a couple of, a couple of days ago, Louis, about, yeah. uh, three days ago, I think, yeah. or whatever, after after game four. So do you think that if they get out here, that that's it for McDavid in Edmonton? I mean, it can't be. I don't think it is. Like, he's... Listen, I don't love what they've done in Edmonton throughout the years. Like, they've... Like, look at their decor. They have Keith, Barry, and CeCe in there in their top four, which is ridiculous. And it's, like... Basically, his quote was, you'd think four goals would win us a game, and the platform should be enough to win us a game. And the thing is, you can't even look back at the goaltending and say, oh, Mike Smith is Mike Smithing, right? Something stupid. Yeah. He actually has like five goals saved above expected or something ridiculous so far these playoffs. So it's really just been a pretty just atrocious defensive effort by the defense and their skaters. So I, like, I know it must be super frustrating, but he's still got how many years on his contract? And I... Trading yeah. a guy like that, like, you remember how long it took for Eichel to get traded? I don't think it would, I don't think it'd get done quickly if it was McDavid, like, at all. Good point. I mean, McDavid has nine points this season. Yeah, he's uh, doing so well. Oh, of games. course, like, of course. But that's what I mean. Like, he is the only, like, he's insane. Ever, no, no one's doubting that. He's ridiculous. Yeah, but, no, the point is more like, he's getting two, so you're automatically getting two goals a game just from McDavid. So you either need your other three lines so three quarters of your team to just score, you know, one or two more yeah. or your defense not give up, you know, these are like baseball scores that they're taking part in. You but know like, what I mean? Like this but, is twice as many goals as there should be in games. But that's what I'm, that is what I'm saying. Think about this in Connor McDavid's shoes. You are scoring two goals a game, right? And you're looking and you're down in the series. You're looking around at your team and you're like, how is no one doing anything? How am I the only one doing anything? Wouldn't you be pissed? You haven't made, you are the, but you know, you're the best player in the world. And you know, at least that he has drive saddle. Oh, good, good for him. He's still gonna lose his game. Like <laughs> he's not like the only guy there. Well, like, but uh, yeah, but like, well, then why aren't they winning? <laughs> they have McDavid and Drysaddle. That's uh, again proving the point, and they are still not winning the series. That is how bad the rest of their team is. If you're Connor McDavid, at some point you have to say like, I can't grow as a as a player. I can't be a champion here. Like, there's no way they have to literally change so much stuff about how bad that team is. Ken Holland came in and did, quite frankly, an awful job. Of surrounding Connor McDavid with that's an understatement. Jeez. Thank you. With good players, <laughs> but look at you. Like Louis said, the D, they had a Keith CC pairing this year for a while. And did you see Duncan Keith on that overtime goal by Kepe? Jesus, that was brutal. So that was beer league <laughs> stuff by Duncan Keith. And and if you're Connor McDavid on the bench watching that, like, are you kidding me? Give me a break. Like these guys, I don't even need these guys to be like insane. I just need them to be not that. Like that is the, the bar is just so low. And they still can't get it done. I don't know. If I'm, excuse me, if I'm McDavid, I, I'm thinking about getting out of there. That's all I'm saying. But totally that, is, that is our playoff recap. That's a playoff recap. <laughs> yes, through exactly. five or six, through, yeah, through everyone playing five games. Oh, uh, yes. four in the fake series. Yes, in the fake series. So we'll see what happens with a bunch of very meaningful game sixes tonight. Well, when we're recording it, they'll be done by when this is up, I'm sure. But 
Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, as we've mentioned previously, the draft lottery happened, and uh, the Ottawa Senators, your Ottawa Senators, are drafting seventh overall. Uh, already a ton of speculation about how this is going to go down at the draft. There is pretty, like, I've seen almost a direct 50-50 split of people wanting to draft someone at seven or trade the pick for a top six forward, top four D, like, meaningful player. Um, we're going to get to both of these hypotheticals here in this episode. But first, um, Louis, let's start with you. Louis and, okay, Louis and Josh are smart and they scout. I don't scout because I'm not very smart. So essentially how this is going to work is they've done their due diligence and they've been doing some scouting these past couple of weeks. Um, and they're going to let you know who the Sens should target if they do end up picking at seven overall. So Louie, maybe we could start with you here. Who did you have your eye on um, as a target for the Sens at number seven? Well, first of all, this is under the hypothetical that this is who we want them to pick, hopefully, mm-hmm. and not who they're likely to pick. Right. Because if we were going that route, you'd be going at more like projectable or safe picks. Like someone like Cutter Gauthier has been linked just because he fills the mold of a more complimentary guy with better like retrieval skills and physicality and all that stuff. But ideally, you've already done Tyler Boucher at 10 last year. If you're up at seven, you want to pick a guy that has much higher upside. And I absolutely love Frank Nazar. He is more speculated to go around like 10 or early teens, but I have him like, I, I probably have him in my top three. Honestly, I'm just such a fan of his. What I love so much about him is that how his brain has evolved throughout the entire season. Like at the beginning of the year, he was like attacking the middle, which you love to see, but almost to a fault, he was doing it so much. But now he's really optimizing his mix of attack types with deception, uh, like slowing down and kind of get a little bit, a little bit of patience, let the play develop a little more instead of rushing into it. And just the amount of speed that he has, thanks to his crossovers, just makes him a super mobile threat all throughout. And on top of just really electric hands, it makes him a threat no matter what. He's just so good at capturing open space and all that stuff. And again, it's just how he's evolved throughout the year just makes him a really, a really good option to you know keep getting better. Like his biggest weaknesses last year were shot volume, uh, efficiency on entries, and uh just general playmaking and now those are all big strengths of his so i i have no doubt that he's just going to keep getting better and hell i mean if you look at his microstat profile right now tracked by i think mitch brown he's Mm -hmm. top three over the last like five years in terms of ntdp the only guys who had better numbers than him were uh zegris and jack hughes so Mm -hmm. it's pretty solid it it should count for something that he's an ntdp guy and the sends they like their NTDP guys. <laughs> That's for sure. And the thing is, listen, um, he's not even that bad, like defensively, though. It's it's not like he's, oh, he's like all offense, all that stuff. The Sens won't want him. It's like still mm-hmm. good in that aspect. So, and, and the thing about this draft is, at least from what I've seen, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's a, like Shane Wright is most likely going to go first overall and everyone's known that for a while. And then from like two to something, like two to seven or eight, it, nobody really knows what's going to happen. Um, like it seems like, it could go either way and there could be some players left at seven that might have, you know, maybe people speculated would have been gone at three or four. Uh, that's, what's really interesting about this draft is you could speculate on all these different players and each one of them is a viable possibility of being drafted by the Sens. This is kind of unlike a couple of years ago when it was like they're drafting Stutzel at three and they're probably getting Sanderson at five. Like people kind of assumed that was going to happen, but this is kind of interesting where, uh, it's similar, I guess, to the Boucher yeah. draft where you don't really know. So that, I think, makes it kind of cool. Josh, obviously, Louis just praised Frank Nazar there for a bit at his pick. Do you agree with that? And do you have someone that you would rather take maybe at seventh overall? 
Yeah, okay, wait. So I'm going to go... We were talking about how random the draft could be after two. I think, like, a lot of people already have, like, Logan Cooley penciled in as the, you know, like, automatic number two guy, and then it's, you know, three to three to the rest are random. But I don't know, because New Jersey has the second pick, and they, don't need they have centers. a top six. Yeah, they don't need forwards, like, top six yeah. forwards. Okay, so Pavel Zaka is not, like, an amazing player necessarily, but they already have Heashier, Mercer, Holtz, Bratt, Hughes, uh, Thomas, Thomas Char is not that good anymore. But then you have Shrangovich. Um, I don't know. Like they, I could totally see them going for what, like a Simon Nemec on D. I could totally see them, you know, going by position, positional yep. needs. So that's I don't know. It could be random. That's weird to say it's second overall, but it's definitely, yeah. well, definitely possible. Here's the thing. The way I see it is like, I always think you should go best player. But when I make my rankings, personally, I have it in tiers, right? And anyone's interchangeable within those tiers usually. Yep. So if there's a forward and yeah. a D in that tier, and you have a huge need somewhere, well, you could always address it through the draft. I wouldn't drop down a tier just to get a different position. Right. So, for example, that brings me to who I would take at um, seventh overall. Yeah, I do really like uh, Frank Nazar. Um, if we were looking for a defenseman, I don't think this is a popular opinion with what I've seen on Sense Twitter. I know Louis probably agrees with me, maybe. Um, I would take Denton Matejchuk if we were drafting a defenseman. Like, to me, he is the best defenseman in the class. I personally are right now have him ranked second overall, though I haven't watched absolutely everyone. Um, I absolutely love his game. He's an incredible skater. He activates really well. Like he joins the rush really well. Outstanding on breakout passes. Doesn't mind pressure at all. Like he invites it almost to create space for his teammates. Great shot. Like he's not really like Thomas Shabbat, but think of the, um, how dynamic Shabbat is, but also he's a bit smaller. So he's even more dynamic. And then obviously the defensive play is a concern, but it's, it, I don't think it's as bad as, again, if we're using Shibata as an example, it's not as bad as his was uh, when he was drafted. So that's a guy I would take, but he's a left-handed D, so I really don't see them going that route. And he's also under six feet. He's 5'11". Mm-hmm. So I don't think the Sens will actually take him, but if there was a D, that's who I would take. Um, I don't know if you have something to say, Adam, but I do have a couple other guys I could give as examples. Well, yeah, just in a, I'll go to let you go in a sec here, but just as kind of like a joke, hypothetical thought experiment uh, in the Zoobcast group chat the other day, we were discussing who the Sens, no, obviously, obviously right now, Josh and Louie are saying who they would pick at seventh overall for the Sens. Um, but it's worth noting that we're not the Sens, in fact, and yeah. they do, uh, yeah, I know, they do have a mind of their own sometimes. Um and I'm, I'm just trying to scroll back here and find it. But essentially what I did in my in my intricate draft research oh, yeah. <laughs> is I went on the NHL Central Scouting Database and I sorted by height and weight. And here are the two players who are most likely to go to the Sens. Now, this the person who is the heaviest and tallest, uh, the final ranking is 127th. So we're going to say that's going to be a second round pick for the Sens. Yeah. In the mold they, of Ben Roger. Yes, of course. His name is Jack Sparks. He is 6'8", 227 from St. Michael's in the Ontario Junior Hockey League. So know the name, Jack Sparks. Um, Maverick Lamoureux is ranked 20th by NHL Central Scouting. He is a 6'7", 197-pound yeah, defenseman. He's a very he's lanky skinny. guy. He is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, that's just an insane BMI, really. <laughs> um, he is going to be partnered with Thomas Shabbat. 
and bring the Senators multiple. <laughs> hold on, cuts. hold on. Is he a right shot? Is I don't, I don't right know. Shot? Actually, let's let's do a little let's do a little more research. The most research I've ever done in my life. For he is from Hawkesbury, so he's from Ottawa. Oh basically. no! Oh no! <laughs> he's righty too. Oh no! <laughs> Jesus! Okay, Who does he well, play for? Drummondville. I'm trying yeah, to remember yeah. now. Yes, okay. Yes, yeah. So welcome to the Sands, Maverick. Maverick Lamoura. We'll see him at camp next year, towering over everybody. But 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 Austin Watson is going to pick him up and throw him because he's only 197 yes. pounds. But mm-hmm. um, Josh, please keep going on your actual. Yeah. Okay. Place. So I have two more. Actually, wait, wait, Josh. Before we move on from um, Matejuk, I I was just wondering because this is a guy that I feel like is a lot like Matejuk, but has I personally I think is a has a little bit of a better toolbox is Pavel Mintyukov. I don't know if you scouted him yet. I haven't. No, I have not. Okay, so I think he's kind of like a perfect mix of Matejuk, where his activation and willingness to, you know, like jump in and get involved is maybe not like quite like 100% like Matejuk, but it's still very much up there. And he kind of blends the individual play creation that Kevin Korczynski also brings, kind of gets the best of both worlds by being an off-buck activator and an individual creator, kind of puts that all together. So personally, I think I'd have that like, because currently I have Matejukov at four, Matejuk at five on my list. I really like Matejchuk's like ability to create with the puck too. Like I don't think that's an issue mm-hmm. at all. Oh and no! And I also totally. I was just reading my notes. I also wrote that I thought Matejchuk was really really good at rush defense. Like not in zone one on one, but stopping mm-hmm. the rush. He was very aggressive and he did a very good job with that. Um, but like I said, I haven't watched him in two thousand, so I can't tell you whether or not I agree okay. or disagree with you. But I don't think we'll take either one. Oh, I know totally. there was a mock. The NHL.com mock draft had us taking Matejchuk in one of them. I just don't see it. Like, I don't see us taking a lefty. Yeah, he's a he's another undersized lefty that I don't think will be. Yeah. But yeah, no. I still like Matejchuk, don't get me wrong. Like, he's still very good. I just prefer Mintyukov's mm-hmm. uh, individual skills and toolbox. And yeah, Matejchuk's still fine defensively. Like, his, like, capability to, you know, get in lanes and stop stuff is great. It's just, he's a little too chaotic in the D zone sometimes. That's all it is. He needs to be reined in a bit. But aside from yeah. that, I'd love it if we drafted him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then I just had two more. Louis, we talked about one of them, Brad Lambert. I believe that's how I don't know. I always forget if it's Lambert or Lambert. And I say Lambert because I think that's how you say it. Um, Finnish slash Canadian. Like he was born in Canada, but he's he is a Finnish player. Um, now he's like I haven't watched him in a long time. Like I think I watched his first three four games of this season and a bunch of last season, but I haven't had a time had the time to watch him since. He's just the high risk high reward pick that's going to go in the first round. And he'll probably go for top, top you know top fifteen. He is incredibly fast, incredibly skilled, um, but there's a lot of questionable stuff he does. And so I think that's like, if the Sens are looking at, you know, okay, last year we took a really safe pick at 10. Well, now we've been told by our cap, like if you're in Dorian's shoes, we've been told by a captain and an assistant captain that we need to, you know, add. Well, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to use the seventh overall pick and not trade it, why not go for the guy with the highest upside? Just swing for the fences. Yep. And I think Brad Lambert Lambert, like fits that. Like I said, I can't give you too much of an in-depth scouting report. I don't know if Louis can. Um, I just know that that is the high risk, high reward. He's also an 03, so he's rather old for the draft. And he didn't have good stats in the Liga. But the skill is 100% there. That I can guarantee. One, I think, I mean... Obviously, I'm not a draft expert, but the thing that I could compare this just by listening to it is who who did the Islanders pick last year? Aturati, right? Who was yeah. supposed to their go... play is not super similar, but I I kind of no. see what you mean. Right, but I'm just Atu, I'm talking yeah. in terms of just like the kind of pick that you know high risk, high reward. 
Um, well, I don't think Gachiratu is higher because well, they, wasn't so he was supposed to go like second, like yeah? Second overall it's more point? just like two players in similar Finnish environments, like moving around and you right. know dropping throughout the year when they were highly lauded at the beginning okay. of the season. Well, but yeah. yeah, whereas Ratu, uh, Ratu, the issue like he he doesn't have a Ratu does not have nearly as much skill as Brad Lambert. Yeah, um, right. Ratu was like is crazy. Yeah, Ratu uh, Ratu was like I, I did a when I was writing for Dauber. I did a very in-depth article. The issue with him was he was very scared at the pro level to ever go off of the perimeter. And Lambert is actually a perimeter player too, I find, which is kind of the same issue that Stutzla had when we drafted him. Like, And he that Stutzla started figuring out halfway through this season, which is getting to the middle of the ice. And I think that's what could unlock Lambert's game. Yeah, that was the issue that Ratu had. The only difference is the skill wasn't really comparable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the high risk high reward pick I take, and then an under the radar pick, I guess you could call it a guy that you know many have projected late teens, early twenties, and I've seen others have in the second round is Gleb Trikazov. Yes, um, Gleb. <laughs> I was about to bring him up if you were not, if you were not going to. I I don't have the like draft order like right in front of me, and I don't exactly remember, but I think he's a guy that you probably move back for, like you trade seven for you know like 11 or 12 and some something else whether that's a player or just a pick or whatever um because i think he would be still he'd still be available at the start of the teens but he is a very very smart player he is a good skater though like there's things that you could work on him with to, to make him an even better skater he has a rocket of a shot he is a great playmaker like he's the whole package the only issue i could say say is that he played most of the season in the MHL, which is very like you know it's not likely you're gonna have a top ten pick play in the MHL. And for those who don't know the the MHL is like the KHL's AHL essentially. No, KHL no, AHL is K- VHL. It's like the yeah. it's the, like third junior league. Oh it's like the OH is the OHL. Because yes. the VHL yeah, is, the, is the AHL. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I totally agree on Gleb. Yeah. So good. yeah. I would still take he's six one, one ninety, so he's not undersized. And the other very important thing to remember about him having played in the MHL is if he was one month younger, he'd be a 2023 draft. Yeah. So he's yeah. very young. He's almost an entire year younger than Brad Lambert. Yeah. Like crazy. that's just, you know, like, well, his name like is, not, his name is also his name Gleb is, yes. Like that, that is, is a terrific. Name. I'm a sucker for good prospect names. We know <laughs> as we all are well aware. <laughs> but yeah, I, Dude, if we got Gleb, he's just such a, like, he's probably one of the best play reading forwards in the draft. Like his anticipation and just ability to, you know, read everything, process stuff super quickly and just act on it. Like that, Josh said, his shot is ridiculous. And at the beginning of the season, he was a little too selective, but now he's really optimizing when to use it and all that stuff. Just great dual threat all throughout. Yeah. So clearly there are, there are numerous options for the Sens if they choose to keep the seventh overall pick. Um, they will have no shortage of good players to draft. I mean, like, you know, this happens like we could talk about who they should draft and they'll probably take someone who is like ranked 98th. And... Picking Cutter Gauthier is happening if he's still there. I don't I even think that would be that bad of a pick though. No, honestly. me neither at all. I, I would not mind him. Like he's a fine complimentary player. If we pick him there, sure. We're setting the bar low here, fellas. Um, but uh, he's a good but... player. He's a good player. But... Okay. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Great player. The Sens could also trade this pick and, uh, it is well. It has been well documented that they need a top six forward, and some people say top four D, which I also probably agree with. Um, so Josh did some digging, 
and a lot I'm, of it. I'm gonna give him the floor here in a sec but essentially uh he's kind of looked a little bit back at the history of trading top 10 picks and what returns and packages look like josh so go ahead on that yes so here we go i went back to 2010 and i looked at the top 10 picks that have been traded since then and not just traded at like at any point traded after the season was over and the position of the draft pick was known so it actually you know not like how the, when the Sens, you know, lost Bowen Byron because they traded the pick or when they got Stutzla. not None of that kind of stuff. Like, the pick had to have been traded, like, in June or July. So, in 2011, this is the first, so none in 2010. In 2011, the eighth overall pick, which became Sean Couturier, was traded along with Giacca Voracek and a third-round pick. So, you're talking top 10 pick. I believe Voracek at the time would have been a prospect 10 years ago. I don't know how long. An established prospect, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then a third-round pick. And that got them Jeff Carter. That got Columbus Jeff Carter, who only ended up playing 39 games for them and then getting traded, by the way, like mid-season. Wow. Um, Before being traded, Jeff Carter's last three seasons were 46 goals, 84 points, 33 goals, 61 points, 36 goals, 66 points. So you're talking a 35- to 40-goal guy and – just on like under a point per game, probably a little by a little bit. A guy who gets more goals than assists. I just want to so, pitch in at that point. Voracek was already a 45 to 51 player. Okay, yeah. established, okay. established, yeah. yeah, and he was younger. Yes, so, so looking I mean, back on it, that is a terrible trade for Columbus. just awful. <laughs> yeah. well, how does that even, this, this man lived in Columbus for five months and decided that he hated hockey and was terrible? And then where did he went to what LA after that, Jeff Carter? Uh, yeah, he got traded to LA and stayed wow. there. For, I didn't until even know he got to Pittsburgh. Yep. Yeah, he played well 39 games. So, so there you go. That's what that was fans the first have to look trade. forward to if they're trading. Um, <laughs> they're trading absolutely the awful. <laughs> 2010. So he was already 26 at the time that he got traded. Like turning 27 after, right after he got traded. God. I mean, that, that is that's just a bad deal. It's just awful. Horrible. Just awful. Couturier, right? Like yeah. So whatever that that was the first one, the second one was in 2012. It was also the eighth overall pick. It was Derek Pouliot got selected there. Oh yeah. So it was Pouliot and then Brian Dumoulin, and Brandon Sutter. Those are all players. Uh, Lou, I don't know if you want to do some background onto where Dumoulin and Sutter were in 2012. Yeah. Sure. Um, but the trade was for Jordan Stahl. Like wow. that was the only asset return. Oh yeah. A weird one. So Dumoulin was a prospect, um, actually really good back then. Like in Hockey East, he had like 33 points in 37 games. He's a D man. Okay, that's, so that's pretty, pretty good. Where was he drafted? Uh, 51st overall in 2009. Okay, so he probably wasn't regarded as like a huge prospect, but a, a prospect that they valued in the return. Okay. Meanwhile, and Sutter, them... Su- sorry, Sutter was yeah, a but... 30 point forward at that okay, point. So still very it was young. like if the sen- if the sense traded, you know, bottom six guy. Okay. The respectable bottom six guy, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Jordan Stahl in the season, like, he had only hit 50 points once, and it was the season in which he got traded. So it was a 25-25-50 season, but only in 62 games. So that was, like, his breakout year. You know who else had a breakout year this year? Kevin Fiala. But anyways, <laughs> um, so that was the trade. And then, of course, he has been in Carolina ever since. 
I think that's a pretty uh, good trade. Yes, yes, yes. I was gonna say. I was. I was. I was there's easy. a lot of stalls. There's a lot. Of I stalls. know. Yes. Um, so I think it's a trade that Carolina probably is happy with. Puglia. I mean, Dumoulin's decent, but they got Jordan Stall. They got like 11 years so far of Jordan Stall, and he's yeah. still in the NHL. Yep. He's so a captain right, there, right? Yeah, I think he is. Jordan Stall. Yeah. So let, let's like, if we're just doing it in um, like broader terms, it was the Sens pick this year, if we're comparing, and then Dumoulin. So, you know, you're, you're considering a guy who you'd probably call, okay, he's a top four D prospect. So think of Alassie Thompson. And then Brandon Sutter, I hate to compare Brandon Sutter now to a sense player, but you're probably thinking of Formanton. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who else would be a direct comparison. I mean, unless you want yeah. to say Chris Tierney, but he's now a UFA. No. I mean, the, the gap between Formanton and <laughs> I know. Chris Tierney is but there's nobody significant like in, that. in the range. Yeah, I, I would have yeah. said Nick Paul if we still had him. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Paul would have been a perfect. So let, let's just say, you know, so seventh overall pick, Lassie Thompson, and a third liner. Yeah. Um, that got them Jordan Stahl, who was on pace for about 35 goals, 70 points that season. A little bit less. exactly Fiala. Yeah. <laughs> well, Didn't Fiala finish well above a point per game, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he was on, like, a heater and then he yeah, tapered he like, off, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He didn't taper off. He 33 ended goals, the season. 33 goals, 85 points. Sorry, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know if they had uh, buyouts amounting to about $14 million when they made this trade. <laughs> wow, but there you go. Um, yep. So, yeah, that, that's a good example. We can move on so it doesn't take me all day. This one's going to be fast. Because do one more. No... Yeah, do one more. Well, I have three more. Okay, do three more. These will be fast. Care. So, 2013, ninth overall uh, was Bo Horvat. A lot of you guys mm. may know yeah, yeah. what that was. They just got Corey Schneider the devils oh yeah yes. <laughs> so it was cool. a one for one so you can't really look at that and say oh that's yeah. the value of it like sends aren't training I mean, for a goalie yeah goalies value so we can just skip right past that there's a funny like i guess anecdote while i'm going through um and then none happened between 2014 and 16 they learned yep yeah skip all the way to 2017 when um it was arizona and the rangers that's pretty recent. So oh, I'm sure yes. a lot of people remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was seventh overall, which became Leas Anderson and Tony D'Angelo <laughs> together for Derek Stepan and Auntie Ronta. Wow, that's a weird one. Yeah. yeah. Which at the time, I'm pretty sure people were torn on who won that trade. Like, I don't think you look at it now and you're like, okay, well, well like those are four not so <laughs> none of those players are good right now. <laughs> so it doesn't well, even matter. To be fair, Tony D'Angelo this regular season okay. was like really okay. quite good he's on carolina. carolina so yeah everyone's good on carolina um but yeah i mean just it's a trade that happened it's a trade that happened sure. you're probably again you're probably talking about like uh lassie thompson and the sense pick for uh, but step on was older ish at the time so it's hard to compare like you're not acquiring a young guy right yeah it's true um and then a goal compare him to like oh i don't think well connor brown maybe i don't know yeah, maybe, but he's on the other side, right? Oh, yeah, 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 true. Yeah. So you're not yeah. adding that to the trade. I would not trade seventh overall for Connor Brown. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, obviously not. I don't think <laughs> yes, anyone's yes. doing that. Yeah, and then that's basically it. The last one was in 2019. It was 11th overall, but it was just a pick swap. So it was Soderstrom got picked 11, and Arizona had moved up from 14th and 45th. So that kind of goes back to if the Sens wanted to just trade um, the pick and get, you know, like Gleb Trikazov a bit later, they could probably get an yes. early second to go from 7th to 10th or 11th. The uh, the Sens have not been 
they're usually on the other side of that where they're yes. usually trading up, which, which I think most people, at least on Twitter that I see don't like that. Like they would rather amass the assets and trade down a For couple sure. spots. Um, Sens obviously have a, have a different philosophy, but well, especially given actually, the consensus this year of like basically just super chaos. Yeah. Yeah. No one really um, knows. I actually accidentally skipped over 2016 when the senators traded from 12th yes. to 11th to select Morgan Brown. Oh, what a deal. Holy. What a trade. Yeah. I remember that. McLeod and really well. a third. No, it ended up being Zach Sanford. <laughs> well, well, years yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. But yes. Yeah. Um, um, wait, did you, what about the, um, the trade last year for like the OEL Dylan Gether yeah. deal? Does that oh yeah. Count? I didn't write that down because it was so recent. Uh, so it's hard and yeah. complicated. It's just, yeah, but no, yeah. but I meant I didn't write it down because I remembered that it happened, so I didn't have to write down the pieces. But yeah, so it was the ninth overall pick and a couple contracts, very bad contracts, which Maybe were Eagle. ending relatively soon. Kof Nikita Zaitsev. This is Senzbuzz, by the way, on Twitter tweeted this, so I'm gonna compare the deal because he made a funny comparison um, that a lot of Sens fans disliked, but. It was comparing it. He said, okay, send seventh overall and then Zaitsev and Colin White, which are the comparable contracts sure. for Eric Carlson and Timo Meyer. Now, I sent this to our Zoopcast chat and I said, if San Jose retained at least a third of Carlson's contract, I do that instantly. Like, I just say yes, like yeah. right away. Carlson is still a decent player. Carlson, Carlson had a good year. Carlson had a good year this year, Eric Carlson. And if Carlson, what the worst case I think is he's he gets injured, kind of like what happened to Shea Weber, mm-hmm. like yes. too injured to play, and he's on LTIR, and he's not even costing you anything on your cap because yes. you know now that there's possibly new ownership, money might not be as big of an issue. Well, we don't know yet. Looks, no, we don't know yeah. yet. But uh, point like the point being is you're not you might not be as worried about trading for a guy with a big head cap hit and take on monetary risk. I yeah. would take that. You're getting a first liner and you're getting a still capable defenseman. You're bringing Carlson back. To, and you're um, getting out from the Zaitsev deal and possibly White yeah. too. Yeah, although the White buyout is very cheap, like under a million. A yeah, year exactly. So I don't think he even years, needs to be but, added. Yeah. Um, but a lot of sense fans dislike that. I, like I said, I would do that. I think you guys agreed with me. Do that like right away. Yeah. Um, so that just kind of gives us an idea. I think the first two that I mentioned, the Jeff Carter and Stahl deals were the best comparables. But I think it goes to show that the seventh overall pick might not have quite as much value as you think. Especially in this draft. Yeah, but yeah. you also have to remember, like, more recently, top six forwards are not going for much at all. Like Ryan, the Reinhardt trade, for example. Yeah, that's true. Um, like, they're just going for so cheap. I don't know. What pick, what pick did Buffalo have not first overall last year? You guys uh, rose in at 14, didn't they? Yeah, it was like 15. Was it 14? I think 14, because I think yeah. it was that. Let me see. I can, I can yeah, check. 14. Okay. So Buffalo offered, apparently, this was reported, Sam Reinhardt and the 14th overall pick just to move up to seven. And San Jose said no. And San oh, Jose they wanted like, was Eklund, interested right? in. Yes. Yeah. And yes. San Jose, of course, yeah. was interested in Reinhardt. So they didn't just offer that randomly. Right. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> A 30 to 35 goal scorer, top six forward, isn't even worth moving up seven spots in the draft. Like that, you know. So if, if you're looking at a team like the Sens who's trying to acquire top six forward, that could be a really, really good thing. It's true. Yeah, totally agree. It is true. And we'll, we'll see what, uh, what Pierre, well, I guess the only Pierre left now. 
Yeah, he's honest with that yet. Yeah, well, it doesn't. I mean, what is there to talk about? He's he's not there anymore. <laughs> Pierre Maguire got fired. He didn't really do anything, and we'll probably never see him again. So farewell. <laughs> uh, but yes, we'll see what we'll see what Pierre Dorian has up his sleeve. Um, when it comes to draft, when's the draft? When is the draft? It's uh, July seventh. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a ways away. It's like two it's months. Like two months. So Great. long. So why do they have the lottery now? What a joke. Here I mean, you... it's yeah. It's usually what. Is it usually early May or is it usually end of August? It's during oh, the first it's round. Usually around the end of August. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> April. Jeez. There you go. Holy Good lord. Uh, yeah, but so two months for the Sens to figure it out. And 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 for that reason, I don't think they're making a trade anytime soon. I think this is gonna no. be this is gonna carry on for a bit, which is totally fine as it should. Um, but yes, and I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. But on a final note, congratulations to. Okay, well, I know you go. You go first then, because my is right. different. Louis, you're a bigger Jets fan than I am. I don't know if you agree. Yes. The Jets should probably rebuild, or at least retool, like, a yeah. lot, like, heavily. Shifley needs to go what amongst if... others, yes. Yeah, no, I'm not trading for Shifley. Not at all. <laughs> oh, I don't want him on the but... Sens either, trust me. <laughs> and Kyle Connor is definitely untouchable. Like, I don't probably. think. Probably. What if I thought wasn't getting his fair shake in, like, you know, the power play in the top. Nikolai Ehlers. Literally. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's he's, he's, he's going to be way too expensive. I know, I, but what I was talking about Reinhardt not being enough to go from fourteen to seven. So what if that starts something like the Sens seventh overall pick and some prospects? You you think like seventh overall, Lassie Thompson, a good forward, and another prospect for fourteenth and Ehlers. How would you so. feel about that as a Jets fan? <laughs> I don't think as a Jets fan, I don't think I like it just because no, you're... okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, Luke. Jesus, man. What are we Nobody doing? who trades top forwards likes the, the I trade. know. <laughs> but Ehlers is not like Ehlers know, should be a first good. line. And that's why I'm trying to make the, the trade. Because he would be I would want him even more than Fiala. Well, and the thing is, oh totally. The thing is you'd have to do it now because they're getting new coaching staff a lot, especially now that Barry Trotz is is on the market yeah, that's from true. Manitoba. I mean, yeah. listen, they've been nobody else would want to go there, but somehow they're going to hire yeah. him. Well, that's why the Jets have been looking at only people with connections to the org or the city. So, yeah. I mean, no, if they're I, looking I at connections. Kidding, yeah. No chance. But one thing that is a realistic chance is if Vancouver's moving Brock Besser, they're at 15. That would be a cool trade back. That would be cooler. And then you can get uh, Gleb at 15 too. Exactly. No, but seriously, like you, you trade the seventh overall pick plus a prospect and maybe a player, and then you're getting Besser and 15. And you're probably like, I would rather take Gleb at 15 than who they would probably take at seven. So, yeah, I'd I probably know. even rather Gleb at seven over whoever they're picking. At oh, seven. We're just calling oh, yeah. on a first name basis. We're just calling yes. Gleb. Well, who else I do you know Gleb. named Gleb? <laughs> okay, so, fair enough. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure we'll have further episodes where we just do mock trades or uh, mock drafts. There will be, are, we're going to do a draft yeah, episode where we do the whole sure. first. Where our most Adam, you will be headlining round. it all. You are our number one head scout. So, do your research. <laughs> oh, Come on, send you some videos. Maverick Glamour, first overall from Hawksbury, I would love Ontario. that. that yeah, well, Montreal. Montreal's close to Hawksbury. Who knows? Um, yeah. But so anyway, bidding war. Um, on a final note, congratulations to everybody's favorite Ottawa Senator, Thomas Shabbat, on yeah. being named captain, Captain Canada at the world's. Congrats, the Thomas. Four Shabbat. assistants behind them. Yep, and none of them are on the Sens, but two of them on the Jets. Uh, two of them on the Jets: Adam Lowry, Pierre Luc Dubois. I believe the other ones are. I don't even know who the other Damon ones are. Damon Severson. Wow, I didn't know. Josh Anderson. 
Josh Anderson, yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, obviously Nick Holden on the team, Jerry Batherson on the team. We will see Tim Stutzel with Germany. We will see Adam Gaudet and Austin Watson. They play each other tomorrow, eh? Austin Watson, Canada the alternate Germany. captain, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's funny. That's great. Um, but yeah, man, Shabbat is, is captain. So that, I know, I, I think a lot of people were kind of like, they saw that and they're like, oh, he would have made the Olympic team. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, he's dead captain. Even though they don't really have anything to do with each other. But eh, yeah, We'll way. see tomorrow. They st- do, who do yeah, they play tomorrow? tomorrow on Friday. Germany. They play Germany. Germany. Oh, <gasps> no way. Is, what time? What time? What time? What time? I don't know, but it's in Helsinki, so, so the that, that's fine. Start. I work from home. Very light work work schedule right now. We whoa, are whoa, we're whoa, making whoa, room whoa. for it. Do not tell your employer. Yeah, this. what if they listen to the Zoomcast? Cut this out. Cut this out. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Censored. Uh, but anyway, on that note, uh, I hope that you guys enjoy the rest of the playoffs. Great games tonight. Well, when we're recording this, they've ended. So hopefully, they were great games. Um, enjoy the world championships. Watch all the sends for the last time in a while. Um, and thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with a lot more draft content, a lot more off season content, maybe some guests. I'm not a guest, believe it or not. We do have friends. Um, so maybe some guests coming on in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys have a great rest of the day and thanks for tuning in. Take care, everybody. Thank you.